Hello, friends. This is Rick Thomas, and you're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. This is episode 257. I have a question that you have not thought about today. Maybe you've never thought about this question at all. It is the title of the episode. Let me give it to you, and then I'll work through it over the next few minutes. Again, episode 257. Here is the question that I want you to think about. Should a pastor lead a para-ministry organization? Now, I realize the title of this podcast is full of subjectivity, because there are no scriptures that will answer the question in the way that we'd like the Bible to speak to our most pressing queries. Let me go ahead and say up front, it does not have to be wrong for a pastor to have another job. I am not saying that at all. But we are ditch people, and we can tend to live in one ditch or the other. And so in the other ditch, it could prove to be disastrous for a pastor to have a side hustle. Like most gray area problems, you want to think with wisdom, carefulness, courage, and humility. And so I've been thinking about this idea about pastors having a side hustle, having a a part-time job, as I call it in the podcast, should a pastor lead a a para-ministry organization. I don't have any one pastor in mind, but I I will be honest with you, I have run into pastors in my ministry career who have these part-time ministry endeavors, and in some situations, it just, it was not a wise thing to do. In fact, I'm dealing with one of those situations now where a pastor is building a brand, a ministry outside of his local church, and his local church is objectively, measurably fallen apart. And so you might not have thought about this, or maybe it was a passing thought. Well, I hope that you would just spend some time thinking about this potential problem. Now, some of you are just going to go back to your local churches and you go, you're going to hug your pastor and you're going to thank him for shepherding you so well and devoting so much time to you all. And I hope that is the majority report because there are so many pastors who are doing it well. Now, if you have never pastored, perhaps an illustration will help you to get your mind around what it means to be a pastor. Whenever I think about being a pastor, the picture that comes to mind almost all the time is Dick Van Dyke. And I am talking specifically about the movie Mary Poppins. In that movie, Dick Van Dyke played Bert. And there is a scene where they, they title the scene, Bert, the one-man band. And that's what I think about when I think about good shepherds. It is an individual with multiple instruments, musical instruments, strapped to his body, pastoring well, is multitasking at a high level. And that picture of Bert, the one-man band, gives you an idea of what it means to be a good shepherd. It is a hard job. 
I mean, even pastors who have the luxury of delegating responsibilities because the size of their churches and the revenue to hire additional leaders are still busy individuals. I have inter- interacted with many small pastors in the sense that they are Bert, the one-man band, and I have inter- interacted with a plurality of pastors And, you know, it's like it doesn't matter if you have one pastor, you are a one-man band. If you have two, the busyness is not cut in half. In fact, the more pastors you have, the more opportunities you have. And so the work grows proportionally to the individuals that, that are on staff. And so whether you are a a single pastor in a smaller church or a multi-pastoral staff in a larger church, you know what I'm saying. But it's not just the busyness of their lives. It is the weight of the congregation's burdens. And I have I've seen this on both sides because I did pastor for a while. And on the other side is counseling because pastoral ministry, as far as congregational burdens, is very similar to counseling. You can only carry so many people's problems. Every single day of my life, somebody is sharing their problem with me. Pastoring is a complex intersection of physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental experiences. And that's why I have much respect for those pastors who are striving to do it well. Not not only is it a a Burt one-man band job, not only is it the, the congregation's burdens that they carry every day, but do not forget the more vital responsibility of leading their families well. Caring for their wives, caring for their children is of utmost importance. In fact, that comes before the other two things that I've mentioned, the busyness of their lives and the burdens that they carry. Their wives and their children are of utmost importance. If your pastor is doing all of these things well, then stop the tape. Let him know how much you appreciate him. Will you send him an email right now or leave him a message? You might not be able to get a hold of him, but leave him a message. This Sunday morning, would you just communicate your affection for your pastor? And by the way, would you go and say something to his wife and his children who are sacrificing by giving him up to serve you so well? Do not, do not dismiss the pastor's wife and their children. Go and tell him. Now, if your pastor struggles in any of the areas that I've just mentioned, will you pray for him? And then number two, would you ask how you can be part of the solution? I trust the picture that I'm presenting here gives you an idea of how all-consuming being a pastor is. 
And then there is one more complexity. Not just Bert the one-man band, not just carrying the congregation's burdens, not just leading and caring for his wife and children, but there is one more complexity. God is holding him accountable for how he shepherds. And that is the clear teaching from Hebrews 13, 17. Every pastor will stand before God, giving an account for how well they cared for the Lord's children. The sobriety of the calling cannot be understated, and I know of what I speak because I did this job. I pastored for five years. It was like swimming nonstop for five years of my life, and even on my days off, I was treading water. You never stop swimming. Truthfully, you never have a day off because you cannot get away from the job's weight and responsibilities. There is no such thing as decompression for a pastor unless you take a sabbatical, unless you go away for a couple of months and and other people make sure (laughs) that he stays off his blooming phone and has no contact with the church. Now, I do recognize that some pastors have a different kind of motor to where they can run like the Energizer Bunny, and, and they just they just have a motor that can operate under this kind of pressure and multi-perspectival uh, complexity. But most pastors are not like this. When I knew that I would be leaving the pastorate and starting this ministry, I, I began strategizing about my next career. That was over 12 years ago. And during that transition, I started a blog which proved to be the foundation of this ministry, the website that you enjoy and benefit from today. One of my church members saw my early blog post. (laughs) One of them came to me, and they said, how do you have time to blog in light of all you do for us? What that church member was saying is they recognized the all-consuming work of the pastor, of, of what I did as a pastor. Now, maybe I just stunk at pastoring. And it was so all-consuming. I didn't have time for any kind of side hustle. That was, that was a ridiculous thought for me because pastoring was virtually a 24-7 operation. Now, what the church member didn't know is that I was transitioning because the truth is, I would never have considered a side hustle if I were not leaving the pastorate. Now, that's just me, and that is also how I think about pastoring, which I have just given you a a description, a four-point outline for how I think about pastoring. Bert, the one-man band, caring the, the congregation's burdens, caring for your wife and children, and number four, giving an account to God. Now, all of us have stories about ineffective pastors. In fact, if you Google some version of good pastors versus bad ones, the overwhelming data would reveal more complaints than positive things to say about shepherds. And I need to caveat that. 
perhaps part of why you would get that kind of data outcome is because, honestly, we are more apt to complain than compliment people. And so I understand that. But you know someone who has been affected by bad shepherds. Maybe that person is you. Now, my goal here is not to beat up pastors. And I trust, based on what I've just said, you hear that. You hear my heart. I am not here to beat up on pastors. As I said, if you Google it, you're going to get more bad ones than good ones. And part of that is because we like to complain. But I'm being honest about some of them not doing their jobs well, and it is a problem in the body of Christ. You know this, I know this, we know this. And part of the pastoral problem is because of the vetting process to become a pastor, of course. It's one of the most accessible jobs out there. And because of a universally understood pastoral complaint it's essential that we, excuse me, excuse me, it's essential that we talk about a pastor taking on a part-time ministry job. Now, in the context of this podcast episode, again, this is episode 257, should a pastor lead a para-ministry organization? Now, in, in context of this podcast episode, I am speaking about when he does not have to do it. Now, I understand the financial reasons for having a part-time job, and I do applaud any pastor who loves his people so much that he's willing to make that sacrifice to get a part-time job to help with some of the financial burden of the church. And there are a gazillion of those pastors who are bivocational and praise God for them. I'm not talking about them at all. I'm talking about a pastor who has a para-ministry organization and he doesn't really need one. That is something that we must put on the table and to discuss. Let me go at it another way by giving you another type of illustration. What do you think about a father, which is a full-time position, by the way, is 24-7 job. What do you think about a father adopting another family to serve in addition to his full-time father role? What do you think about a full-time production worker who also has a family? He gets a part-time job, though he does not need it. Now, perhaps he's doing it, hoping it will be his future full-time gig. Now, I understand that desire of transitioning to another job, and you start out part-time in addition to your full-time job because you're transitioning and hoping that part-time job will replace your full-time job. I'm not speaking of that here. Here's another question I want you to think about. What do you think about a church that ties to support their pastor and his family, and that pastor is working a part-time job doing something else. The church is paying him to take care of him through their tithes. They're paying him, and he's working another job making money and honorariums doing other things. Are you okay with that? 
I am not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just asking a question. Are there any potential integrity issues that you should examine? I know one pastor, in fact, it was my second pastor. He was very popular. People liked hearing him, and so he preached a lot outside of the church that he pastored. Now, he chose to take all the honorariums that he received outside of expenses, travel expenses. He took all the honorariums that he received, and he gave them back to the church. And he used to say, they pay me well. I mean, they pay me a salary. And and so what I want to do is the money that I receive outside of, of the salary that they pay me, I just turn it back into the church. Now, again, I'm the Bible doesn't say do that, but he saw it as a potential integrity issue. So what are your thoughts on called to be a shepherd to a group of folks while moonlighting on the side? Again, I'm not making an accusation, but merely asking a question. You see, the age of social media has given rise to pastors moving beyond their churches into cyberspace. The costs are minimal to do this, and the gospel advancement possibilities are more significant than ever. Of course, that could be the problem. We can spiritualize our ambition to build our brands. There's virtually no cost, at least in the beginning. We can do something fun. We can get a break from the hard work of pastoring. And by the way, before you ladies throw any stones out there, there are a lot of moms who work outside of the home for this very reason. They just want a break. And I, I've heard moms, and I'm not, I'm not throwing stones at moms. I do have somewhat of an idea of what it's like to be a 24-7 mom since I stay home all the time, and I have seen Lucia labor for nearly 20 years taking care of children, there are no breaks. And if she wanted a job outside of the home, in addition to her 24-7 job that she has inside the home, I totally get it. Perhaps some pastors are stepping into this portal of cyberspace because it's going to be their future careers. Okay, more power to them. As long as they are honest with their congregations. If a future but different ministry job is their goal, you must ask what they anticipate will happen if their side hustle takes off. If you're doing a part-time paraministry job and it takes off, how are you walking your church through that potential inevitability? If they do become, if you become in demand, what is the plan to accommodate your new fame? How are you preparing your church to lose you. Now, I have a few more questions, too. Let me just roll right into them. Again, this is episode 257. Should a pastor lead a paraministry organization? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I am just merely asking questions. And if you want to read what I'm sharing with you, please, you can read every word of it. It's free. It's laying right here on our website. It's yours. You can print it. You can share it. 
give it to your pastor. I trust that there's enough humility between your pastor and you that you can have this conversation. If you cannot have this conversation with your pastor, there is something wrong between you and the pastor and probably your your local church. All right, so here are a few more questions. If a pastor is wanting to take on a para-ministry organization, one, what are his reasons to start a para-ministry? And then associated with that, who was involved in the decision-making process? What does his wife have to say? What do his children have to say if they are old enough to, to think with the complexity and, and can share their opinions about this? What does the church have to say about him taking on this para-ministry? Question number two, how is he walking his church through the decision? What does it look like? How are they participating in this? How do they feel about this? As a sheep is watching their shepherd work over yonder doing other things, what do those sheep think about those that their shepherd having a part-time ministry job over there? Question number three, is their church okay with financially supporting the pastor's burden to build a ministry that may take him away from them. Now, that's something to think about. You're, you're tithing, you're, you're giving money to the church, which is a lot of it is supporting your pastor. He's building a ministry over there. Are you okay underwriting that, essentially, when he eventually could eventually leave? Question number Four, what if the side hustle does take off? What is the plan to care for the church that he will leave? Or what is the plan to care for the church due to his reduced shepherding responsibilities? Or maybe a third part to that question, what's the replacement process should he leave? And so if you are underwriting him to do this part-time ministry job that may take off, and so basically you're paying for him to leave, what is the plan for you, the sheep in this corral who is going to take care of you? And then question number five, who is guarding the heart of the pastor? specifically from the temptation of selfish ambition as he grows his brand. Don't think this ain't no real thing. This is a thing. We have our stories, and I have quite a few of them that I'll not mention in this podcast, of pastors building their brand outside of their church. What is or how are you helping to guard his heart from the temptation of selfish am- ambition? And then finally, my last question, are there any compromises that he is making to build his paraministry? I'm not suggesting that there are, but one of the ways that you can tell is that if you cannot have a conversation with him about these things, then there is a problem. And maybe you can attach to this question about compromises that he that could be made. What does his wife think about what he is doing on the side. And so there's a few questions that that 
I think are vital in this discussion about a pastor leading a para-ministry organization. And for the 1,000th time, I'm not saying it's wrong, but I am saying that we need to have this discussion. Now, I want to come at it with one final angle, because I think this is important from, from a pastor's perspective. There is a pastor's pull, a gravitational pull uh, that can tempt a pastor to want to go out into part-time ministry in addition to their full-time shepherding work. Let me illustrate this. A few years ago, I was sitting in a small group that was supposed to talk about the pastor's sermon. We met every Wednesday night, and the subject matter was always the pastor's sermon. Now, it was slightly humorous and more sad that most of the time the discussion was about what John Piper said. The pastor's message served only as a short link in the conversational chain that led a more popular discussion about John Piper's thoughts. Now, I am not tossing John Piper under the small group bus. That's not my point here. I'm only pointing to a potential and unwitting oversight among some church people. I'll illustrate it this way. Many of you parents have had similar experiences. This is what I mean. You have talked to your children about morality and choices all of their lives. You have said so many things so many times. You've repeated it over and over again, whatever your morality pitch was or the choices that they're making. And and seemingly those words just fell on deaf ears. And then one night, the child comes home from the youth meeting barges into the parents' room, broadcasting how God spoke to them through their youth leader. (laughs) And the parents bite their lips as they recall the ten gazillion times that they've said the same thing to their children. It happens. Imagine a pastor who just slaves away week in, week out, serving his church, preaching these underwhelming sermons, and they get to small group, and it only serves as a short link in the conversational change that led to the more popular discussion about John Piper's thoughts. That can be a temptation for the pastor to want to build his own brand. You know, we all benefit from Christian men and women who are not part of our churches, I hope that you benefit from this para-ministry. And you should not feel guilty because of these means of grace, like rickthomas.net, to the body of Christ. However, you must be aware of how your words of gratitude for your favorite famous preacher's sermons can tempt your pastor to discouragement. And for you tempted pastors... I want you to know it's okay not to have a para-ministry. You are pleasing God to labor in your small church in a small corner of God's world. May you find contentment in your role, in your people's lives, while resisting doing more than you should because others are doing it. I'm not saying it's wrong for a pastor to have a para-ministry. I am speaking about a few possible problems with this idea. If we're afraid to ask the right questions, and if the pastor has nobody to talk to him about the dangers, 
then it's dangerous and people will hurt because of it. This is episode 257, Should a Pastor Lead a Para-Ministry Organization? If you have questions about this and you would like to talk to me about it, jump on our free community forum. Our community forum is brought to you by folks who support this para-ministry. And by the way, this is the only job that I have. I do four things specifically. I write content. I produce podcast or do do podcast I do public speaking and I run an online uh, biblical counseling program those are the four things I write I speak I podcast and I have an online ministry and that is that is our para ministry and I don't do anything else if you know a pastor with a para ministry or a desire for one will you talk to him about these things. His congregation should fully support him in these endeavors, and they must also know the potential outcome. It's wise to count the cost before you build a para-ministry. More importantly, is the pastor caring well for the church families, the men, the women, the children. I'm not suggesting that he must do all the hands-on care, but he is in charge in making sure the structures are in place to care well for those that God will hold him accountable to shepherd. And how well is he tending to his family? Does his wife and children receive his primary care? Thank you so much for listening. Episode 257, Should a Pastor Lead a Para-Ministry Organization? You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee. Thank you.